electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The Instacart Roadshow is underway. Reports of a valuation of less than $10 billion is a big drop from prior funding rounds. And that's the focus of today's Tech Check with Deirdre Bosa. Morning, Dee. Morning, Carl. It is a massive down round from that $39 billion that it was valued at just a few years ago. It won't come as a surprise for the already public tech companies that have also seen their market caps crater over the last few years. But for still private startups, this should be a major wake-up call. Some of the largest unicorns, like Stripe, they've already taken their medicine and done rounds at lower valuations or marked themselves down internally. But others, like Chime, GoPuff, Discord, Plaid, they have not, and they will have to take a hard look at Instacart's IPO. Let's put this in context, though. Key question when any company goes public is, what is it? And therefore, how do you value it? What kind of multiple do you give it? Is Instacart a grocery, gig, advertising, e-commerce company, or some combination of the above? The valuation range does give us some clues. Investors, they will get a discount to what is seen as its closest comp, DoorDash. A $9.3 billion market cap for Instacart implies an enterprise value of about two and a half times its last 12 months revenue. That compares to about three and a half times for DoorDash and three times for Uber. Instacart may be more profitable than both thanks to that advertising business, but it is also growing its top line significantly slower. Still nearly 40% sales growth last year, and its tech put Instacart's multiple well ahead of players in mature industries like grocery and advertising agencies. So that is Instacart. And we know the gig space has not been particularly kind to long investors over the years. So IPO candidates, they'll also be watching Arm, Clavio very closely. Arm reportedly considering raising its price range on strong demand. Clavio, though, looks like another down round here, guys. It's pricing its IPO below $9 billion, and that compares to about $9.5 billion in a July 22 funding round. So in July 2022, some of the air had come out of valuations in the private market as well. But this kind of shows you that there may be still room for private companies to mark themselves down. Interesting, too, D. Uh, this upgrade of Dash today over at Jeffries, they go to 90 uh, on the idea that the look at cart is helping the street realize maybe it's underestimating the profitability of the model. Yeah, that's right, because remember that Dash, and I would also add Uber, are moving into the advertising space. This is a higher margin business. And maybe, you know, I, I go back to when Uber went public. We had never had a gig company and people didn't know where to value it. Um, and it sort of trades around that $45 range, 48 now, but 45 is where it went public. So it didn't really reach those expectations. But I don't think anyone at the time really saw advertising as a big business. And what Instacart shows you is that it can be. It's high margin. It can kind of change those unit economics. But still, that ever-present question, is this a good business? This is around the edges. You're still using a lot of capital to pay shoppers in the case of Instacart and now DoorDash and Uber as they move into groceries and drivers, of course. Yeah, we'll see if, if advertising changes that game. A great discussion, Dee. Uh, let's continue that with uh, Julia Borston at the All In Summit in Los Angeles with a very special guest. Hey, JB. 
Hey, that's right. I'm joined now by Bill Gurley, legendary investor at Benchmark for many years. Now you sit on nine boards um, and have some great perspective on what Dee was just talking about. Um, not only were you instrumental in Uber's um, early days in launch, but you still own Uber shares. Yep. Um, and we were just talking about Uber vis-a-vis Instacart. Um, what is your perspective on the Instacart IPO and the valuation that has really come down? Well, the first thing that I would say is when I read the S1, I was actually very positively um, um, blown away by the profitability and how quick they got there. Keep in mind, we came out of a time in the venture industry where growth at all cost was the model everyone was told to run. So everyone's got the gas pedal fully to the floor. Making that kind of cultural transition to profitability is very, very hard. There's another element of the Instacart situation that I don't think people are talking about. Their stock-based comp is a fraction of all the other companies in the space and all the other tech companies. And, you know, a lot of companies are running SBC very, very high, and it's very dilutive to shareholders. And so I'd love to see more discussion about that. I think it really asks a, a very important question about how much stock actually needs to be given away to make these companies successful. And what do you think, what would you advocate for going forward? Well, I, I, one thing I've been told, and, and I'm not an expert on how they're running their comp committee, but I've been told like Netflix, they've let executives make a decision between cash and stock. And a lot of them have taken cash. And I personally think management is a lot more um, thoughtful about cash expenditures and I think they think about this SBC as if it's free almost mm-hmm. but I don't think shareholders think that way. Yeah, certainly. So what about the valuation question? Um, you've been warning that the tech bubble is a bubble for about a decade now yeah. um, with this sort of question about what what the future valuations are going to be in tech. The valuation of Instacart has come way down. What's your perspective? Yeah, look, I've lived through three different bubbles and burst in this industry and unfortunately it's highly cyclical and when you and and it tends to go up slowly and it tends to crash immediately and so this is the third time I've seen valuations crash and it's not something the company did I'm I'm, I'm not even defending Instacart in this case just anyone one of those companies that were on Deidre's list like it just happened there was massive multiple contraction writ large across the industry and the companies have to navigate it they can't magically wish for the valuation they once had because it's not actually related to how they're operating it's just that the industry has been completely repriced so this this is a healthy reset oh i think so for sure but it's very difficult because these private company capitalization charts have stacks and stacks of liquidation preference and it's when you have that Um, acute of a correction, it's very hard to make this transition. And that's one of the reasons why the IPO market's been slow to get going, because people have to get to come to terms with all these things. And I think you're going to see more of them kind of slowly move through. And it's very healthy that Instacart and their team have stepped up and want to take this step. So what is your forecast for the IPO market? Most of the boards you sit on are of private companies. We have Arm, we have Instacart. How quickly will we see things pick up? I think it'll be slow because the these, this valuation disparity that they just talked about is a real issue. And it takes a while for people to come around. Like they've been told, you're worth this, you're worth this, you're worth this. And all of a sudden they're worth a third of that. And it just takes time for people to get in touch with that to decide what they're gonna do. And as I mentioned, sometimes there's cap chart complexity that makes it actually very hard to, to move to the next step, to raise the next round. And all of that takes time. But, that, but we've had some time now. 
and it's happening and the door's opening, so I think it's positive. So much money in the VC space has been pouring into these AI startups. Correct. And AI valuations still remain incredibly high. What's your perspective on which types of these AI companies and any ones in per particular are best positioned to succeed right now? Yeah, right now. Um, so yes, what you said is absolutely true. It's like we had a we had this wild party and there was this massive correction and the party ended except this one group of people kept partying, which is the AI company. And the rounds that are being done in AI are very reminiscent of three or four years ago. And um, there's a lot to be excited about, so I kind of partially understand what's happening, but it also puts a lot of risk. You know, companies that are pre-revenue raising $200 million, history hasn't been really kind to that type of speculation and model. So I think there are going to be a lot of lessons learned. Um, the area that's been the most rewarding, obviously, has been the hardware. So the people that are working on these foundational models are spending tons of money. So you've seen NVIDIA, you guys talk about it all the time. We have a company called Cerebris, uh, run by Andrew Feldman, who's been on the show a couple time they've built an entire um, they've, they've used an entire wafer to make one single semiconductor and so all those GPU cores can talk to each other on the black back plane of the semiconductor which is very differentiated they're doing really well so it really is a picks and shovels type market right now and the battle on the foundational models is interesting I think one of what we're hearing from from the founders we work with is that Meta's Llama 2 open source product has the most momentum. Wow, and they have some more innovation in the works, it sounds like. And because it's open source, it's super threatening to, to the to the, to the the leaders. And one thing I've never seen before in a market this nascent, but the, those leaders in those incumbent companies that have raised billions are out trying to talk to governments and trying to scare them into, you know, potentially trying to handcuff the open source product, which is crazy. I've never seen that. Yeah, it'll be so fascinating to see how this turns out. And we look forward to learning more about what Meta is working on. Bill Gurley, thank you so much for joining yeah. us and sharing your perspective. We hope we'll have you back soon. All right. Thank you. Guys, back over to you. All right. And our thanks to you, well, our quick. Julia Borston with Bill Gurley. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.